Welcome to Spark Creators, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. This podcast invites creators and entrepreneurs from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe every kid is creative. It's just a matter of taking that first step and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. If you want to stay inspired, remember to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or visit us at peachandplumlab.com slash podcast. host at Spark. I'm so excited today to have Lila Black, the founder and designer at Lila Tall's Monster. Lila's Monster is designed to keep the kids actually safe at night. So Lila also won the Young Inventor Award at the Toy and Game Inventor of the Year Award in Chicago last year, and she sold more than 2,000 units. So her story has also been recognized on New York Post, the Huffington Post, and Toy Book, the um, Time for Kids, and many, many more media. So hi, Lila. So great to see you here and wonderful to have you on Spark. I'm so excited that you are part of our Craft with Hands and Heart series. So it is wonderful to see all of your toys and all your all of your amazing stories and how your business has grown and since you started. So to start with, can you just say hi to everyone and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lila Black, the creative director of Lila Tove Monsters. All right, yeah. And a little bit maybe about your age and what grade do you go to? Yeah. I am currently 13 years old. I'm going into eighth grade and I live in New York City. All right, Lila is 13 and she lives in New York. So what about your family? Um, yeah, what does your parents do? And uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Do you have sisters or brothers? Um, I have three younger siblings, one sister, two brothers. It's kind of hectic. Um, <laughs> my parents are both in the children's television industry, though my mom also is um, a teacher at NYU. She is also a costume designer for things like Sesame Street, and she's done a bunch of stuff. And my dad is a video editor. Producer. Producer for Scholastic. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, you definitely have a very creative family who are yeah, supporting you. All right, um, so I know you are still young, and uh, you started this business probably when you were really young, but this is almost like a tradition for our guests where we ask them, you know, what are important values or things they believe in their business or in life that, you know, keeps them going. So uh, what about you? Do you have some keywords to share with us? Yeah, um, one thing that's been very important in our company is giving back. So we make sure that a portion of our proceeds go back to a charity that I'm able to choose every year. And we've chosen and worked with a bunch of different great charities. And we've got to see how our company can help tons of people. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, we'll talk a little more about that later. Yeah, but first of all, I guess let's start with your story. Um, I know you love monsters and you know, since you were young and you were designing that for your dad. And and why do you create 
monster toys versus other type of you know toys like monkeys, dinosaurs, or other kind of animals? Yeah. Um, well, I made the first one as a gift for my dad when I was three, and I just made it originally because he liked monsters. I had decided at the age of three, so um, that's how the first monster came about. But then when it came into kind of more of a business aspect, I was young when I created this, and I knew that a lot of kids were afraid of monsters. Maybe monsters hiding in their closet or underneath their beds. So if we created a good monster to kind of counteract those bad monsters, we could make sure that they feel safe and that monsters aren't a scary thing. They can be a good thing. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. So you decide your dad love monsters, or is it that does he really love monsters, or what's that? I do like monsters. I'm quite fond of monsters. <laughs> you do like monsters, okay. but not the scary, creepy kind. You know, the fun-loving, you know, more Muppety kind of monsters are. Ones that I like, like Cookie Monster, you know, he's a monster. Not a mean monster, not a scary monster. Got it, yeah. So for the audience who didn't know, like Eric um, Black, he is also here, like actually on stage. I didn't introduce him because we are going to mainly talk to Lila and she's going to answer most of the questions. But every once in a while, maybe Eric will jump in and (laughs) answer some questions too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, You know, in the beginning, like you made all of your monsters at your house with your family, right? And you said your mom is a costume designer. And how does everyone help you? Because I've even watched some of your videos where your brother was, yeah, like holding some of the monsters and playing in the video too, like trying to promote it for you. So what is everybody's role in your business? Yeah, so when we were first starting out, I only had two siblings, and my youngest sister was kind of too young to help out. She was still really little, though she loved to kind of play around with the monsters. Um, So it was mostly my parents and me and my oldest younger brother (laughs) kind of helping out. My mom would do most of the main sewing parts because that's what she knows and that's what she does as a costume designer. And then we would all help out. Main The main thing we could all do was help with stuffing the monsters. So we would just sit there some days and stuff tons and tons of monsters' arms and legs and bodies. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I think maybe for a lot of kids, you know, who also wanted to, like, say, start a business or be an entrepreneur, the hardest part is probably starting out. Like, just try, like, step out the first, um, you know, step to start trying out different ideas. So... Tell us about the first, very first thing you did after you um, give that monster gifts to your dad. Like, how did you decide to set up your business and what is the first thing you guys did? So it wasn't immediately after I gave the monster to my dad that we decided we should make this a business. I was literally three at the time, so I didn't understand much of what was happening. But my parents um, had talked and my dad really loved his monster and he had been talking to my mom and they thought that it might be a good business idea to sell these monsters. So we started out making just 15 monsters and my mom already had a table she was going to do at a local craft fair. And so we made, my mom and I made 15 monsters to sell. And the first thing we did was sell it at a small local craft fair. Wow, that's great. So after you sold all the 15 monsters and you know like some like people would buy these, yeah, so it's a good validation for you to start something, right? Yeah. 
Wonderful. So I knew that you started actually also a very successful campaign, Kickstarter campaign, and you raised twenty thousand dollars to start your first line of monster. And later, you were able to move that production to China. So can you tell us a little bit about that Kickstarter campaign? Because this could be like a really good starting for a lot of you know like families out there who have similar ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. Still pretty young at the time we were doing this campaign. I was six or seven, and so I wasn't able to do much of the helping at the time. But now looking back, I can see what my、um, parents did and the small parts I played. And so we,、um, yeah, we decided that we needed funding to move the production out of our house because my mom couldn't just keep sewing monsters, and we couldn't just spend all our weekends stuffing monsters. We had other stuff to do. So we、yeah. decided that Kickstarter would be a good way to raise some money to move our production elsewhere, so that we could have our house back and it wasn't just filled with monsters.、Um, yeah, so we found Kickstarter, and we thought it would be a good idea, really. And we made a video, we put it up, and we raised the twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Seems like very easy, but I knew that probably yeah, both of you yeah, your parents probably put a lot of work. Yeah, so Eric, do you mind to add a little more about um yeah the process that you guys went through as parents and how do you market it and how do you how did you achieve your goal actually yeah getting the twenty thousand dollars for yeah,、uh, Lila really covered a lot of the basics of of how the business started and how it grew and then as she was saying we wanted to. Uh, to get the production out of our house,、um, so we did the the Kickstarter. We set a goal. We wanted one that we, we thought was reasonable. We'd done some、uh, checking out of prices ahead of time as to what it would cost to do production overseas. We actually started off using、um, consulting with an American company that was a third party company that would deal with the factories in China because we didn't have the expertise or the time to manage that, and.、Um, They gave us a quote for the price, so we used that. And our actual goal was fifteen thousand dollars for the Kickstarter, and we figured we could make two lines of monsters with that. And then、uh, we had a stretch goal, as it's called, for, of twenty thousand dollars. That if we hit that, we would also make a book to go with it.、Um, had we, we, you know, with Kickstarter as opposed to other uh, fundraising um, online. Uh, Groups, there's um, you have to hit your goal. If you don't hit your goal, you don't get any money. Everyone gets their money back. Whereas other, um, other of the online sites have it so that you can get some of the money or however it works. But we decided that we wanted to. If we didn't make the money, then this wasn't something that we should keep pursuing. It was, you know, it's like make it or or break it right here. So we、uh, once we got, you know, we got the、uh, the marketing out there. We got word through social media. Uh, we did most of that ourselves with、uh, with some help from from friends, and、uh, once we hit our goal, we knew that we had something and that it was worth pursuing. So then we went ahead, we made the two lines, we made a book, and、uh, and we took it from there. And then within the next year, we had sold enough that we did another two lines of monsters because we really thought that four would be better than two. They give a little more variety to people. Yeah. 
Definitely, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely like um, a very, very strong start with you know like uh, mass production through the funds um, again from Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, and in the process though, by having this campaign fundraising, what did you learn the most? Actually, uh, like looking back now, like what do you guys learn the most? Yeah, I think that the most. The most important thing was that we probably should have tried to get some more money because you don't necessarily consider everything that you need to spend the money on. We went through the money really quickly. You know, we thought about the actual production that we were doing. We had the set amount. We did that and the book. But then there's all these other costs like marketing, advertising, you know, every little bit that you need to do that you don't necessarily consider. So you should probably mark it up like 20 percent of whatever you think you need. Got it. Yeah. Do you mind listing out like the more details uh, like of the cost that you just mentioned that you have not thought about in the beginning? Because I think that might be helpful, you know, for some yeah kids and parents. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, we knew we had a set rate for the monsters themselves. Uh, the book, we didn't know as much what the cost would be. We hadn't really thoroughly figured out every bit of it because it was um, my wife, Erin, uh, illustrated the book and I wrote the story. So, you know, we did that ourselves, but then it was a lot of work on her end to to do the illustrations and then to, you know, even copying those and getting it suitable for print and then printing those costs were, were more than we had expected. But then once you have the product, even just to, to get it out there and, you know, if you're doing advertising, even on Facebook or other social media, there are costs involved with that. Um, even before you have completed your campaign in order to get the campaign, you know, um, numbers up, you need to spend some of that money. So by the time you're done and you have your money, you've already spent a chunk of it. Got it. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Cause I, I think you guys did a wonderful job, uh, cause you actually tried all levels of uh, marketing and also you are so talented getting, you know, all the illustrations and writing down yourself. Yeah. So, which uh, saves a lot already. Right. Yeah. But um, I think it, it's been a wonderful like experience um, going through all these. Yeah. And then to this point of your business. Yeah, that's that's great. So now let's talk a little bit about the craft that you have put into your monsters, like the sewing process and everything. I know when you first started, you were so young. So your mom was mainly actually helping you on sewing these monsters. And do you recall like um, any time later uh, when you grown up that you started using sewing machine to start doing something yourself, Lala? I don't remember the earliest things that I sewed on the machine because I was pretty young. But I do remember getting my first sewing machine, which was a very monumental event for me. It was um, Hanukkah. I don't remember how old I was. But I had been asking my parents to get me a sewing machine. And I was really excited and hoping that they would get me a sewing machine. But they told me I was too young. And that I wasn't going to get one until maybe a few years later. And then when I opened up my gift that night, it was a sewing machine to my surprise. And I was then the proud owner of a sewing machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. I read a little bit about your story. Did you actually go to a sewing camp or like join some classes later too? I did go to a sewing camp for two years, I think, when I was around eight or nine but um my mom taught me most of what I know about sewing because she is a costume designer so she does sewing as part of her job 
So she was able to teach me a lot about how to use a sewing machine and what I could do with it. Got it. Yeah. Were you able to use any of your skills later for your in your business, or is it is it just for fun? Um, in the business, I do more of the like creative design aspects, but I can now help my mom with the actual sewing of prototypes that we could use to send to the factories. Got it. Yeah, I don't know too much about actually sewing, but、uh, do you、uh, mind mention some of the techniques like you actually use in yeah when you're sewing some of the prototypes? Um, I usually the sewing I do is pretty basic because I don't know much.、Uh, again, my mom's the expert, <laughs> but um, I usually just use a machine, and my mom will tell me how to use it if I need to do something I don't know how to do. So. Yeah, I'm not the most experienced on a sewing machine, and I've also kind of used it less over the years. Wonderful, yeah. You know, it's just amazing to see how your business thrived, and also at the same time how everybody in your family was involved in this business, and you know, like try to create something amazing together. So let's talk a little bit about like how do you guys actually run your business? Yeah. So when you um. When you had the idea, I guess wanted to create monsters. Did you start it first, like to register this as a company, and then later、um, just get like more and more official in terms of turning this into a company? Because I, I saw you guys also registered your trademark and everything, right? Like, looks like it's a really legit and very like official,、um, you know, brand. So, can you tell us a little bit about? The business aspect and how did you guys evolve through time? Yeah, you can definitely looking back see the evolution. The first monster was just a gift for my dad that I made for a holiday, and then we moved on to the local craft fair I mentioned before, where we were selling fifteen monsters, and then we did a few more kind of craft sales in our area, and the monsters were selling well. So then. I'm not exactly sure. I was at this point in the timeline. I was probably about five, so I don't remember too much of it. But I I feel like there's a gap in my memory there. And then we just kind of jumped to having the Kickstarter and doing production in China. But yeah,、um, that's great. Yeah. So now, like.、Um... As a teenager, and you probably have gained so much experience running your company. Tell us a little bit. How do you run your company?、Uh, like, say, when someone, because you fulfill your orders through your own website and everything, right? So, when someone makes an order online, what happens on your side? So, when someone fills an order online, we get a notification that they made an order, and then it's pretty simple. We just send. We have a warehouse that holds the monsters. And they also do a lot of the distribution to the actual customers. So we'll then send them a notification. Send them a notification, and they'll get that, and then they'll send out the monsters. But we also do a lot of our sales through the Gromit, which is a website that has our monsters. Got it. Tell us a little more about your warehouse. Like, how does that work? And then, do you have to pay them a fee? And is is it expensive? And yeah, how does that work? That's more of a question for my dad. He knows more <laughs> about that side of、yes. it, so、yes. I'll leave that one to him.、Uh, we're we're really fortunate that we uh, we're we're members of an organization、uh, called Astra, which is uh the um. It's a toy retailer, independent toy retailer association, and so、uh, we've met a lot of people through that. We've gone to a couple of their trade shows, 
And uh, one of the other companies that's there um, has their own toys. They're, they're a toy uh, maker as well, but they have a warehouse. So they have taken on some other toy makers as clients, and they've been phenomenal to us. Uh, that's a Makikim, which is in Milwaukee. So uh, they have uh, they have a fee for you know a, a minimum for monthly storage. If we had more than we have, you know the the cost is dependent upon how much you have in storage. Um, but uh, you know we don't have too many pro- too much product that we keep on hand because we uh, we're pretty limited as we're a very small company. But uh, but they've been great, and they're you know they have fees for. When we any shipment that we send out, there's a fee for that and there's a fee for the storage. But they handle it all for us, and we have neither the time nor the space to manage it. So it's a, it's a really great relationship. Definitely, yeah. Because I think the most headache like thing, if you can imagine, by having this kind of physical product is that if you have to run all the logistics and transportation yourself, you know, going to the post office and mail every single order and figure out all the returns, that's going to be a lot of yeah, like um, things to figure out, right? So that's wonderful. You guys have such a relationship with another toy company, yeah. Um, so also like on the price, um, you guys use uh, i think it's around 20 dollars, right for your price your monster in that range and can you tell us about um like the thinkings behind that and what are some of the costs that you have to count in because this can really help some other kids you need to figure out what the price would be for something they make yeah one of the biggest things we have to consider with pricing is that when we're selling it to other stores we are selling it at wholesale which is about half of the retail price so that takes, um, that's a big thing you need to take into effect. But then when you're talking about the more like simple stuff, you need to keep, um, keep in mind the cost to produce the actual physical monsters. And you need to make sure that you're still making profit even after you pay off um, the cost to have the monsters produced. Then you also need to kind of factor in time and effort. So time is money. So you need to make sure that you are... Um, make sure that the pricing takes that into effect. And you also need to make sure that you're making enough profit which with the sales to sustain your company and keep it moving. Yeah, I guess each item, like including the visible one and then invisible ones, yeah, you have to kind of combine all of them together to figure out the price, yeah. So note down every single thing that you spend and then use that price as a base, but then add up anything that you think it will cost, right, um, in terms of labor, time, and energy, yeah. That's great. So um, another thing I think I really wanted to learn is about your marketing in terms of uh, when it comes to your business because you have a very beautiful website. It's amazingly done, yeah. And uh, those videos too, it's pretty good. Um, now I know your dad is a video pro- producer, so for sure. Um, yeah, it, it tells a really good aspect about your story and also introduces your product and also your family. So can you tell us a little bit behind the scenes how you and your family create those videos, those images and the websites? Yeah, so we're lucky because both of my parents work in industries where you meet a lot of people that have um, talents that really have helped us um, through their friends. We were able to work and hire a bunch of family friends who are professionals at website design, um, 
video videography i think that's what Mm -hmm. it's called um and photography and so we were able to work with them to get the photos and to create the videos obviously my dad was able to help a lot with that because he does video editing as his job and yeah so you're lucky enough to be able to work with a bunch of friends who could help us out with that that's great yeah so um, that's one thing, yeah, one aspect. Another thing is about the customer support, you know, or the, um, yeah, maybe some feedbacks you get. Like, what are some of the best feedbacks or things that you receive from your customers? Yeah, like, can you share that with us? So, um, yeah, we get a lot of stories about how these monsters have helped kids because that was our goal, to help kids fall asleep and to help them feel safe with these monsters. I think about one of the most touching stories for me personally was we got a story about a little girl, I think it was, who um, was going to the hospital. I'm not sure exactly the reason why, but halfway there, she told her parents, she was like, I can't go. I can't go without my Lila Tove monsters. So she made her parents drive back to their house, pick up the Lila Tove monsters, and then head back for when she went to the hospital so she could have her lot of monsters to make sure she felt safe wow that's amazing yeah they create such a bond you know with the monsters and really value the relationship yeah with the toy that's wonderful yeah um and also i guess another thing is about creating a business is always hard and uh, you probably have also um have gone through some difficulties or you know, even like say feedbacks that are not that nice or like customers, you know, like review are not as good or something like you have to actually like to consume all those two. Like what are some difficulties or challenges or things that you have to actually, yeah, get yourself out of yeah, in order to move forward? Can you share a little about that? One of the biggest challenges in the beginning was that it was hard to find the time and space when we were still doing it at home. So luckily, some of those problems went away when we moved to um, having a company produce it in China. But time is still a problem because um, it's just hard to find time. Both of my parents have full-time jobs. I have three younger siblings, so it's always hectic around my house. And I obviously need to make school my first commitment. So we have a lot to kind of schedule time to work on the company around. So that's probably one of our biggest challenges. Got it. Yeah, because I saw the video that you guys like uh, was like showing how many monsters are all over your house everywhere. <laughs> and you were carrying like four or five monsters on your school bag, like when you were walking out of the door. Yeah, which is really funny. Um, yeah, so space and then definitely and also time. But now you have solved that with a storage and also uh, you don't have to deal with a lot of the logistics yourself, yeah. So which saves a lot of time. Uh, that the business seems like it could run on itself, right? Um, so what about uh, like say if there are a lot of orders, like say during Christmas or during a special season where people are buying a lot, and what what is the difficulty thing that you guys are facing? Is it more like fulfilling the orders or is it more like dealing with um like say the transportation and also delivering and yeah how how does that work like if you're in a busy season yeah luckily working with the warehouse and having our monsters sold on the grommet has have taken away a lot of those challenges 
So when we have a busy season or a bunch of orders, it's much easier because we can work with the warehouse and work with um, the other website, the grommet that sells our monsters. And it runs a lot smoother because we are have people we're collaborating with to get the monsters out. So now how often do you fulfill your orders from like say the factories in China every month or is it like annually or quarterly? How does that work? Um, she's giving me the look that I should answer this one. We, uh, because of the minimums that they have, we, we have a decent amount that we've had to buy each time when we've put in an order. So we don't really need to put in repeated orders. So, I mean, when we, and we're small part of the the time issue is is really we we have taken care of shipping and 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 uh and some of the logistics but sales and uh and marketing are we we haven't been able to focus on as much so we're not looking at huge turnover um so what we've had and what we've produced in the past you know three or four times that we've we've had production runs made has been enough to sustain us so it's every couple of years that we're we're putting in an order. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, how many? How many? Like, is the minimum order? What is the number that you can do? Like, in terms of two, uh, we we have to. Our minimum order is two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. Got it. So that can be yeah. two different monsters, um, or one, but it that's the most it can be. So it's it would be a run of two different monsters, and we'd have to do two thousand. Yeah, that's great. Um. You know, like talking about talking about the business. I think Lila, you are thirteen, and uh, now you are still in school. And I know your main focus is probably still in school. And、um, do you have any of your favorite subjects? And yeah, did you learn anything that you can actually apply to your business and connect anything to your business? Currently, one of my uh, well, my favorite subjects has have always been subjects like art and ELA, where I can put some of my creativity into play. But one of my biggest focuses in school now is actually debate team, which、oh. I've been doing for the past two years, and I really love. And that definitely helps with business because it teaches you a lot about public speaking, which always helps because um, I have to do a lot of stuff with. Press and I have to do stuff like this, like podcasts, where I'm able have to be able to speak and know what、yeah. I'm saying. Definitely, definitely, yeah. You probably like in the future, if you were to go anywhere to share your story, you have to stand in front of you know an audience and on stage and just to do any kind of presentation anytime. Or if you're ready to sell yourself, you know, like、uh, your your toys on events and stuff. Yeah, you have to do the sales pitch. You know many things like that. Yeah, so definitely very helpful. Yeah,、um, yeah. So when it comes to like say, what do you wanted to do? I know you are you know very creative and you are able to speak、um, your mind and also express、um, you know ex- communicate yeah with anyone. And so now, have you ever thought about like what do you wanted to do in the future? Um, besides running the business, yeah, have you?、Uh, do you have any kind of other dreams? Yeah, besides like running this toy business, I'd love to be able to do something where I'm still able to work with on creative aspects, where I'm allowed to put my creativity into play. But I really am not sure what I want to do yet. I mean, I'm 13. I've got a while to think about it. Yeah. Have you like? Do you think creating this business or running this business has that like ever changed your perspective on like what do you want to do or 
anything about life or in school? I mean, it has definitely taught me a lot about business in general, which is not something you learn typically in school. So that's been a really interesting experience. So what specifically, yeah, if you would share like something specifically about business that you learned, do you think it's really helpful and you cannot learn in school? What is it? That's a tough one because I feel like, I mean, if you're working, if you're learning from someone who has done this, you can learn a lot of the stuff, but I feel like a lot of this. You guys would just. Yeah, I feel like the biggest thing is that you just don't learn this stuff at the age I am. Like, you may be able, I don't know, obviously I haven't done this, but if you major in business in college, I'm sure you'll learn a lot of this stuff. But I I feel like I personally don't know many 13-year-olds that are able to tell you how you can work with, say, uh, a, uh, what's it called? Like, on the name. Um, Work with a company in China and have them produce a product. I don't know many people my age that will be able to tell you how to even start with that so that's been a big thing basically broaden your vision in terms of like what you can do um as a teenager as a kid yeah and everything that's wonderful yeah so now um last question to wrap up our interview uh what would you say to kids or uh who were like say five or six years old when you were start when you started your business and what do you what suggestions do you have to them who wanted to start something that's kind of related to creativity or craft or anything they can make with their hands and also wanted to turn it into a business. I definitely say that you shouldn't be afraid to start small. We started with 15 monsters at a local craft sale. So um, if they are interested in creating their sewing or crafts into a business, they shouldn't be afraid to just start small and work up to a bigger company. And also, they shouldn't be afraid to ask for help when they need it. I know I definitely would not have been able to do this without the help and support of my parents and family. And that's definitely been a very big thing for me. Definitely, definitely. So, Eric, from your perspective, like as a parent, um, I know like any kids who start a business or any kids who actually can't accomplish anything, you know, cannot live their parents, you know, like out of this uh, whole scope. So can you tell us a little bit, um, maybe suggestions that you have to other parents and like to parents who are also creative and who also wanted to support the kids to do something similar like what Lila has done? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously when the child's very young, a lot of this stuff has to be done by the parents. So you need to make sure that that's something you're willing to do and that, you know, you can support your kids in doing it because a lot of it's going to be a learning curve for you if that's not what you were, you're used to doing. Um, so in our case, you know, first we made sure that it was something that she wanted to do. If she didn't want to do it, we wouldn't have done it. She wanted to do it. So, you know, we did the aspects of it that a child wouldn't be able to do and along the way, we taught her about what we were doing. And Lila touched on it earlier in that we said a portion of it is going to be money that you can have and you can put in your piggy bank and spend or save. Um, a portion of it will go back into the business so that we can grow it and that we can do more. And then a portion of it we're going to take and give to some organization to help other kids who who don't have as much and, and need the support. And so we were using this as a teaching tool for her as Partly how to use money and partly how to, you know, help your community. 
Got it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, what a wonderful way to learn that how money can be divided into those three channels, and it's exactly the same thing. How every adult, I think, should you know like see this too. Like when you earn money, that you spend in some way, you donate in some way, and also invest in certain ways. So this is a like a much healthy way to treat and how you can manage money as well. And I think Lala probably has had the idea since like the very beginning. You know when you started this business. Yeah. So it's wonderful to have you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story and also everything on the Spark podcast. I will definitely keep you guys updated. Thank, Thank you so no much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great night. You too. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators Podcast at peachandplumlab.com.